Hello. Now, this is episode three of season seven. Season seven is called The Stages of Home Construction. We're diving into the process of home construction for both new builds and renovations so you can feel informed as your project gets built. We'll be looking at the what, the when, the who and the how of each stage, and we'll be giving you loads of helpful and cost-saving and stress-saving ideas and information along the way. In this episode... We talk about the next stage of construction, which is the slab or base stage. And this is where the platform or floor of your home gets built. Look, I see so many homeowners struggle with understanding that at this point, many choices about the finish and functionality of your home, they should already be decided upon. And homeowners really have struggled to understand this because it just feels so early in the process. But the slab going down can lock you into certain things in your finished home and it can prevent you from having the option to add or change things down the track. If your builder or your designer or, you know, have not been proactive in explaining this to you and you've personally not understood, this can really catch you out. And Dwayne and I talk about these things in a lot of detail and we also describe the specific activities in this stage, the things that you need to be across and what you can expect from your builder in their communication and their planning. Now, some terminology to familiarise yourself with if this is the first episode in this season that you're diving into. Dwayne and I refer a lot to drawers during this season. Now, we're not meaning the drawers that you keep your socks in. A drawer is actually a payment on the building contract. So when you sign a contract with a builder, a builder will actually identify a series of drawers or progress claims or progress payments. And as work on your project is completed, the builder will submit an invoice for that draw, identifying the work that has been completed and asking you to pay for it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I jump into the podcast episode, I want to share with you some exciting information about an online program that I've launched in collaboration with this season of the podcast, and it's available for you to access now. The program is called Manage Your Build, and it's all about helping you navigate the construction of your new home or renovation with sanity, feeling confident and informed. If you want to be better informed about what's happening during the construction of your home or understand what you can expect of your builder or of the contract and you know whether you're getting what you've paid for, then Manage Your Build is designed to simplify this for you. Manage Your Build will give you key knowledge, tools, cheat sheets, industry insider checklists and tips, plus strategies to save your sanity and budget as well. This online program can support you, help you avoid expensive mistakes and drama and put you in the driver's seat, feeling confident during the construction of your new home or renovation. So if you want to check it out, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. There's more information there about what's inside the program, what it includes and how it can support 
support you and save you stress and money as you navigate the construction of your renovation or new home and actually make the process enjoyable for you. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash manage your build. So in this stage, which we call the slab or the base stage, what we're really doing is getting the platform down, getting the floor down so that then everything from there on up can start being constructed. So what, you know, you and I've spoken about is just that there can actually be so many steps involved in this stage. It's really dependent on the type of project, the type of site. And so if we go through sort of what are the kinds of things that you can expect to happen in this stage, some of them might have already happened in terms of the cut and fill that we were talking about in the last episode. Sometimes that might be brought into this stage as part of this draw for then the preparation of the slab work. Sometimes it might be split apart purely for site access and the physical construction of it. But maybe, Duane, can you just take us through for a new build or a renovation, what kinds of I suppose, work is involved in this stage of slab or base? Yeah, so if, if you were working off the standard sort of five or six drawers, the slab stage is quite a substantial one. So look, again, being a custom home, a renovation or, or a new home or extension, I think, and I, or I think builders should be breaking it up into a few more stages, obviously depending on the job. So Renovation, if you're at the stage where you're going to have a slab or it may not have a slab, it might have a, a timber subfloor, generally this drawer is going to cover all the work that's led up to that and, and possibly it, the, it, the builder might have broken it into a few more drawers to get to this stage. They're, they're very similar drawers even, even on a new house. Um, if a new house is at this stage as well, there they can definitely be more drawers around it. So some of those drawers, that, or, or the work that goes into this to get to this stage like we discussed in the last episode, if it's a slaving site, there might be a lot of retaining wall works, renovation of new home. It could be a large home with a, with a basement or an underground car park or something. So there might have been several drawers to get to this stage. If it's a slaving block, it could have the pool incorporated into the house. So there might be a pool shell or, or some sort of earthworks and retaining walls that are required to get the pool in. A lot of builders on, on custom homes will have the pool itself, as it like it might be called pool shell, be a completely separate drawer. And that would just be the pouring of the actual concrete shell that the pool is going to create the pool? Is that... it, it might be on a slaving block. It, it needs a lot of form work or um, some excavation work. It, it, the pool might form part of some retaining wall, so it, all, all that work needs to be done prior to the, the slab or the subfloor going in. If it's got a subfloor, there could be a brick base or brick perimeter walls. So if that's the case, there might be some structural steel work. On, on, it's not uncommon on larger, especially architecturally designed homes, for structural steel to be a drawer in itself. If there's, a, if there's 40, 50, 100, $200,000 worth of structural steel, then, then nine times out of 10, the, the builder will definitely break that into a drawer. That drawer will go in once that the structural steel has been completely installed, but some of that cost, there, there might be a small percentage of that structural steel cost that might have been in a previous drawer to cover with structural steel. And if, if the job's got custom-made windows and things, there might be a lot of shop drawings that need to be done. So 
the builder might might have had to pay 10 20 30 percent deposit back at maybe could it could have been even the draw after the deposit draw and so, shop drawings are the documentation that the actual manufacturer does so you have the architectural drawings or the design the draftsperson's drawings and then when the those shop drawings are they're generally done as per how that product needs to be manufactured so a steel shop drawing is quite interesting because it'll show the position of bolt holes and it'll show the lengths of things and how they need to be cut and how they're going to be machined and the types of finish and it all gets it's almost looking like a like a three-dimensional drawing of Meccano isn't it because they 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 prepare those drawings first those drawings have to be signed off by the builder or by the designer then that steelwork is approved for manufacture and production and so there's a bit of a lead time obviously in that so that's why some of those drawers will come forward in that process so yeah, so that there can be a lot of work in those. Even a uh, even a simple house with say ten to fifteen thousand dollars worth of, of structural steel could have two, three, four thousand dollars worth of, of steel drawings, shop drawings. So on on those particular jobs as well, there's also a lot of time taken up, and there's a, there's a certain process. If it's a very detailed job, those drawings will then have to go back to the designer or the architect. They'll work their way through them. They'll make sure that what's being drawn is going to suit their design and then nine times out of ten they'll want to sign them off before we actually send them back and give the go-ahead for it to be made. So all, all that, all those sorts of things are things that you wouldn't assume would be built into to either this slab drawer or, or previous drawers but they're all things that are, are costing the builder money so he's physically got to pay for them so they've all got to be worked into these these earlier drawers. And so, yeah, if you know that you've got structural steel in your build, then it's a good opportunity to ask why you're not necessarily seeing it as an itemised cost or a particular draw because it will help you understand, obviously, what you're expecting to get in each of those stages of work. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, like, other things that could be incorporated into these some of these earlier draws and definitely the slab draw tiles, it's definitely not uncommon these days for people to choose tiles that take two, three months to be ordered. So if it's not a, if you've chosen them from a supplier that your builder doesn't regularly use, um, they might not have a trading account with them. Again, they might have to pay. It could be as high as sort of eighty percent deposit before the tile shop will actually physically order those tiles. So again, going back to having all your selections chosen, again, this that can affect the drawers and the schedule of the job. So. And I think too, it's worth understanding that you know this slab or base stage is obviously about if you've got a concrete floor or you've got a timber frame floor, it's about putting that floor down that then everything else gets built up from. So anything that needs to go under that floor and come through that floor obviously needs to be decided upon before that floor can go down. So what a lot of people get caught out by is not understanding that, for example, their plumbing layout has to be decided at this point. Uh, Their electrical layout, you know, it might be that they're wanting a sink. They can't decide whether they want a sink in their island bench or they've forgotten to put a PowerPoint in their island bench in their kitchen. Once the slab goes down, cutting concrete is a very expensive exercise. And if you haven't made that decision um, or you've missed it, then it can be something that's very expensive to reverse once the slab has gone down. So that that process of understanding that those that plumber and the electrician are going to come in to install all of those services before the slab gets poured or the substructure goes down, that's obviously part of this slab stage process as well. Yeah, like even uh, just touching on like the plumbing is a really big one. Like a lot of people don't realise how much their plumbing electrical can affect things. So Another one, like you just mentioned the island bench, but another one's vanities. Like people 
will think they want just a standard vanity and then look, the plaster's up or they're, they're meeting with the cabinet maker to sign cabinetry drawings off and they decide they want a wall-hung vanity, you've got the pipe set up in the slab or the subfloor for a normal vanity, not in the wall cavity where it needs to be hidden if they want a wall-hung vanity. So it definitely pays to do all your selections early. But other things that we're definitely getting more and more common in the last few years is people are starting to be a lot more energy efficient. So water tanks are sort of starting to creep back in. So it's definitely not uncommon, even on a slab on Groundhouse, to have a water tank under a slab. So like, if your client comes when you're doing your slab prep and says, oh, do you think we could put a water tank under the slab and you've already, like, halfway through the slab prep, it's going to cause drama. So obviously those decisions need to be made very early on, but that's another cost that can be worked into this drawer. So when people get the slab drawer, it's not always going to be just that slab or just the subfloor. With that scenario, if you have got a water tank under the slab or under the subfloor, that could be a ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar exercise. So, I definitely, again, coming back to the builders breaking their drawers up more, I definitely think it gives the client and and the banks when they're trying to process their drawers a lot clearer idea of what actually has happened for that drawer, rather than like you said before, just having this one drawer that's got all this stuff collated into it. Yeah, I think when you actually see the drawer being laid out and itemised and broken up into smaller chunks, it's then a lot easier for you to go to site and go, okay, actually, I can see, for example, you know, that the site has been cut, that the platform's been, the dirt platform's been created, that gravel's come in or sand's come in, the concrete formwork's gone down, you know, the reinforcement and the slabs. I can see all of that work happening in order to get that slab there um, rather than it all being bundled up in one bucket of money. And I think too, you know, a lot of people really struggle when they get a quote from a builder, and it's why we're talking about quote spec as well as part of this season, when they get a quote from a builder to understand, you know, if they've just got slab or base stage identified as one line item, you know, understanding exactly what's involved in that. So, you know, it's in the builder's interest to itemise that out so that everybody knows they've not forgotten something, they've not overlooked something in in pricing it. You've spoken before about, you know, seeing builders forget to include things just by human error um, that are very expensive and costly and damaging to their business when they have to then fund that during construction of a project or push that variation back onto a client. And there's that whole ability then for a client to see exactly what is involved in that 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 draw and that 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 part of the quote as well. So yeah, well, I think a quote can solve a lot of issues that happen on 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 and during a, a project. Not just builders. I think tradesmen need to put a lot more detail into their quotes, and that this was another reason why quote speckle came about. A perfect example I give all the time, and this this is for builders and, and homeowners, we get it all the time from painters. So you'll send the plans out to get a quote for painting and you'll get a quote back that says painting internally and externally at such and such address and this figure. No detail whatsoever. So And, and it's happened uh, lots of times on our projects. So you start the project, the painter comes and starts doing his painting and like perfect examples of like timber features or external, like they might be rendered retaining wall, block retaining walls. So the painter will be painting the outside of the house and you'll say, oh, that colour's going on those retaining walls. And he'll say, oh, I didn't allow for retaining walls. And we'll say, well, you did not not tell me it wasn't included. So I think it works right through from suppliers, trades, right through to the builder. Everyone needs to be providing more detail. 
So using painting again as an example, when the builder's providing a quote to the owner, there should be a heading for painting and the owner should know what they're getting for painting. Are they getting, like some builders do a two-coat system, are they getting a three-coat system, has a has a builder allowed for any feature walls? If there's feature walls marked on the plans, has he included them? If there's lots of feature timber work or stain work, has he allowed to coat that timber? If there's timber decking, has he allowed to give that a coat before it gets installed? So all these little things add up and it, it gets to a point during the project where it's very hard for a client to or and the builder to explain what it is they've allowed or what it is they're supposed to be getting if there's not enough detail there. I really believe that every single item in the quote should give the owner a scope of works. So the owner should know exactly what arc trays and skirtings are getting, what type of internal doors are getting, what type of door handles, what painting's involved, what rendering's involved. I don't think the the builder needs to give the client exactly what materials are being used, but just a very clear scope of work so that at any stage during the project, the client can come to the builder and, and where we really find giving more information helps is when a client comes and says they want to change something because you've got clear detail there. You can say, oh, well, look, this is what we've actually had allowed. Even though it might not have been allowed, they might not know the cost of it. You can clearly say, look, this is the item or this is the scope of works we had allowed. This is what you're now wanting. This is the difference. Yeah. One thing we've always done We've done it for the last 10, 12 years, um, and, and quote specs obviously a, a flow on from that, but we've always believed we'll, ch- we'll show the client as much information as possible. So even uh, on very detailed drawings from architects that had full specifications, our quote would always reference them. So we would still have the headings, rendering, painting, or whatever, but we would either put what we've allowed or we would reference a page in the specification or a page number on the plans and the reason we did that is because we, we hoped that if, like nine times out of ten when a, when a client gets a quote off us, they think it's the dearest quote, but it's not the dearest quote. It's because we've allowed exactly what they've asked for. <laughs> it's so, the quote that's not missing anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a quote that's not missing anything. It's a quote from a builder that's running a good business. But the reason we've always put so much detail in there is because we hoped that the client would see it and, and make them ask the other builders questions. Like one thing we say all the time is no question's a silly question. Like I, I definitely think, not just through the quoting, but also through all these these draws, the, uh, the clients need to be asking questions. Yeah, I think that's definitely good advice. And hopefully in listening to these episodes, the homeowners can see it is, it's a lot of stuff to be across and it's a lot of stuff for a builder to be across. And so it is possible for very simple errors to get made. You know, everybody's human. They've got stuff going on in their lives. So you, inevitably you'll find with all the moving parts, you know, you may have, we've been talking about how the two of us have had trouble sleeping the last couple of nights, you know, you still have to turn up and do your job. And, and, and like we all can occasionally, you know, have an oversight. What you want to know is that your builder is across everything and has systems and processes in place that it's not just if they make a mistake, they're supported by a team that can help pick up the pieces, put things back together and get things back on track very, very quickly without it um, causing damage. So 
When we have a look at this this slab stage, so we've spoken just about how many steps there can be, structural steel, you know, there's obviously pool shell work, basement work, if any retaining needs to go in in terms of block work, that can be below the slab itself or it can be part of other parts of the building. The plumbing and electrical, you can obviously have a slab that's on ground that we talked about in the last episode about it being either a waffle pod. So a waffle pod is where a slab basically sits over the top of polystyrene, big just floats Blocks on the ground. And floats, yeah. yeah. And it's how a lot of project homes get built. So the waffle itself or the pod in the middle creates, I suppose, the distance between the ground and the top of the slab that then creates the edge beam around the edge of the slab. Whereas a slab on ground, you dig out that edge beam space and you're putting... Conventional slab has footings and piers and things, so... Um, a bit a, more work in it. It's a different process, isn't it? So, and then... So you've obviously got, you know, that that subfloor structure, like you said, you may have a timber subfloor which might be sitting on steel posts or piers of some sort um, and all of that work that needs to go into it. In terms of understanding a bit more about that plumbing and electrical, because I know that a lot of people get very surprised by the fact that they do need to know so early and that nasty surprise <laughs> that, hang on, I can't have a wall hung vanity. What do you mean my pipe's coming out of the middle of my bathroom because you were yeah. assuming I had a vanity sitting on the floor? That that plumbing and electrical, you and I were speaking prior to this uh, season about slab set out drawings and, you know, them being a really good tool. I know when I did our last renovation and we were building in underneath the house, I did a slab set out drawing because that's what we'd always done at Mervac. So what a slab set out drawing basically is, is it shows the edge of the concrete slab. It shows any set downs that there might be. It shows all of the plumbing positions and how they're dimensioned to be set out. And it, it really surprised a lot of the tradies that came on the site. They had not seen one before. And when I said to you, you said it's not that common it's, to get one. So no, it's, it's uh, definitely not common to get one. I, I think it should be part of every set of plans. It's um, and and you just mentioned them then about assuming. Like another reason we put so much detail into our quotes is it, if it's there, it makes people ask questions. If it's not there as well, so. But yeah, slab set out drawings, uh, I believe, are really important. That I, I think it makes the owners ask questions as well because if if the designer or the architect's showing the plumbing locations, it might they might pick up that oh, hang on a minute, that pipe's in the centre of the room. We we wanted a wall hung vanity, so it's just another, I guess, part of the puzzle that might solve a, a problem down the track. And what we what I've always found in my experience too is that it enables you inside a computer to be lining everything up so that you've got the actual floor plans um, because the slab plan, of course, gets created from the floor plans themselves. So you can have the vanity drawn to the right size. You can have where the, the outlet is and that can literally be in a computer very specifically overlaid onto a concrete plan rather than a builder standing on site and trying to <laughs> estimate it like they're going, well, like, this is where the frame is going to... And you've got to remember they're doing this before the slab gets poured. So Well, depending on the builder you're using, it, it might not even be the builder. And, and if he hasn't got a super, it could be the concrete or the plumber trying to resolve it. So they're standing on site with the profiles that we talked about in the last episode that the surveyors set up. Yeah. They're trying to measure across dirt, Rio, formwork to roughly where the pipe needs to come out. And they're making estimations based on what may or may not be dimensioned in a, in a, in a floor plan of your house. It, is, it leaves a lot of room for error. And yeah. so I think that definitely getting a slab set out drawing, I know from my experience, is worthwhile 
it helps you bring forward all of that decision making about your plumbing and electrical positions and anything that does need to come through the floor, gas, if you want gas in your outdoor areas, you know, all of that stuff can be brought in. The other thing I really love people to know at this stage is that they need to have an understanding of what floor materials they're putting into their house. So be it carpet or tiles, <laughs> what tile thickness it might be, yeah. if it's an engineered floor or if it's a, you know, some type of other flooring material. Because that of course then we all love having flush sills as we move through our house, don't we? We, we like being able to days, yeah. yeah, we like being able to not have to step up from our our living areas into our bathrooms. That all happens because you get the slab built a certain way. So yeah, it's look that's definitely a big one and look a lot of a lot of plans don't show slab set downs. So one one thing we do every job, whether it's shown or not, is we rebate our external doors. Can again, you explain a bit more about what that means? Uh, a lot I'm just I, I hate I call them toe kickers. I I can't stand you you go through project type homes or, or just cheaper homes and there's the whole seal of the door. So whether it's a a timber door or an aluminium sliding door, generally they've got a 44 to anything that's higher, sort of 60 mil sill. It's that whole thing of having to step over the sill when the door's open to get from inside to outside, isn't it? Yeah, so nine times out of ten, that just gets sat on the slab. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's just one of my pet hates. So we, again, we push our clients to choose what they're going to have on their floor and we rebate wherever we've got an external door or sliding door, bifold entry door. We rebate it so that the finished floor, generally we try and finish the floor within sort of five mil, depending on what type of door or window it is. But So by um, rebating, you're meaning that you're actually just, there's a step in the slab edge. a step in the slab, yeah. Yeah, where that door sill will then sit. Yep. And, and I'm doing hand signals, which podcast listeners are not going to be able to <laughs> see, obviously. Um, but yeah, that, that basically then that sill sits in the lower section of the slab. So then when the flooring comes up to meet the back of the sill, it hides the back of the sill. The sill is yep. generally shedding water. Like sills are designed so they shed water to the outside. So if any water hits the outside of the door, it drops down through the sill and sheds to the outside. So the outside level will be lower and you'll then not have a great big threshold to step over from inside to outside. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of benefits. It's safer. There's no toe kicker. As you say, like water travels down the outside of a window and, and is meant to enter the sill and then run out the bottom. So I uh, like I believe by rebating them, it, it's another way of preventing water from penetrating inside the house. But look, so all, all those things, get making those selections early on, getting the locations of your plumbing right. But yeah, just, just simple things as finishing your floor heights. It's like we've had it heaps of times over the years. We've, we've poured the slabs and then the owner chooses they want a timber floor. They want a real timber floor, so then it's either got to be laid on 90 mil ply or 90 mil batten. So straight away, you, you drive your car in your driveway, and at your, at your internal um, garage door, you've got a, well, depending on the flooring you're using, anything from sort of a 38 mil to a 50 mil step. Step up, yeah. Um, and look, at, at the end of the day, there's no good way of finishing that. It, it's a step. You can't do anything about it. Whereas is there, everything selected, again, teamwork right from the beginning, everything selected, it's put on the drawings. We can set the slab heights up to accommodate that. So a slab, it should be correct. Like if your foundations are correct, the house is correct. Like, and that, again, comes back to that, that slab set out drawing. Like that's the most important part of the job. Fantastic. I think that's given everybody a really good picture of just how much can go into this slab or base stage. So thanks, Dwayne. No worries. 
Now, before I go, let me tell you some more information about QuoteSpec. So if you've been listening to this season, you'll know that QuoteSpec is our podcast partner for season seven. And QuoteSpec is a cloud-based quoting app that enables builders and tradespeople to create professional, easy to understand quotes. It also allows homeowners to see exactly what's being included and not included in their quotes and to have confidence that they can manage their budget and their build without drama. Now, I've told you a bit about QuoteSpec's power as a quoting platform, and of course, I'll be giving you more information about this as we move through this season. However, one of the other brilliant things about this app is that it stores all of your building and contract information in one place online. So you can access it from anywhere and you can see it all. QuoteSpec has the capacity to upload and share plans of your home, your project and the associated documents like your specifications and your schedules and those types of things. Look, one of the biggest issues that I see around the construction phase of building and renovating is the communication gaps that happen and then the errors that they cause. Look, information may be presented in one place but then forgotten about somewhere or a verbal conversation may be had and then that doesn't get followed up in written form. You know, we all get busy. We forget to make a note of things. We forget to execute, you know, put into action whatever that thing was that we talked about, you know, and then this becomes a problem later down the track because when you're building or renovating, stuff just keeps happening. It keeps moving forward and then things that are left out can become an expensive or a time-consuming problem and something you have to permanently live with as well. Now, if you're anything like me, you'll have several different places where you keep track of things in your life, you know, your inbox is busy, your brain is even busier. There's a lot to keep remembering. When you sign a contract on your building or renovation project, it isn't just that contract itself that's the legally binding document. You know, there can be a range of documents and plans as well that are attached to that contract and they all become part of your contractual arrangement. You know, the plans for your project, specifications, schedules, as I said. So having them all stored in one place under the quote spec platform and available to access online and also having any correspondence or important communication about them this can avoid loads of drama during construction because it's always all there to rely on and re- and refer to and it's easily accessible by both the builder and tradespeople and the homeowner so quote spec actually lets you do this it's in a cloud-based app you can look at it anytime anywhere by any device and it has a messaging system as well. So builders and clients can actually directly communicate with each other via the messaging system. It all stays inside quote spec. So this means, you know, no keeping track of emails, no SMS text messages or, you know, even Facebook messages I see people use, you know, or paper scraps that you, you're sort of writing down madly and trying to keep track of. You know, none of that needs to happen because all of that communication can happen inside quote spec. So homeowners, I really encourage you, ask your builder or tradesperson, do you use quote spec? Because it's going to streamline your process and make things so much more efficient and help you be informed as well. If they don't, send them to the website to find out more information. And the web address is www.quotespec, Q-U-O-T-E-S-P-E-C, quotespec.com.au forward slash undercover architect. I love it as a tool and a platform and I know that you will too. 
Now, in the next episode, Dwayne and I are going to be discussing the frame stage, all right? So this is actually where the skeleton of your home gets built, the frames of the walls, any upper floors, and your roof frame. There are loads of decisions that you need to make before all of this work, all of this frame, gets wrapped up inside your walls so that your finished home works well and the way that you need it to. So listen to the next episode. You'll hear some really important things to know about this stage. And also please mention this season to any friends, family or colleagues who might be building soon too, or even building right now. You know, this is information. It can seriously help so many homeowners have a much better experience with their renovation or new home construction. Okay, remember all of the links for this episode, all of the web addresses I've mentioned, you know, all of the things that we've spoken about, they're all in the show notes. So head there for more information. I'm really looking forward to next time. So I'll see you then. Bye. 